from the book of Joshua. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. And from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do know so, so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. A number of years ago, uh, Chris and I went on a backpacking trip in the Adirondacks. Now, since he was more the outdoorsman than I was, and he was working at that time at a, a sporting goods store at Eastern Mountain Sports, I let him be the one who planned and equipped the whole trip. And the jewel in the crown of this backpacking trip of about five days, I think it was, was that we were going to climb Mount Marcy, which is the highest of the, of the mountains in the Adirondacks. They're not super high, I'll just tell you that. But that was the highest one. And he had this lovely plan where we were going to arrive up at the top of Mount Marcy about lunchtime, and we were going to have a nice lunch, and we were going to rest and enjoy the views, and then go down the other side of the mountain to where our campsite was. And... Uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you, what, what he hadn't planned on was the fact that I had spent the last year at a desk job, I was not used to carrying my household on my back, and I'd been riding a lot more elevators than climbing things. <laughs> now, we made it to the top 
of Mount Marcy after lots of tears, and I think some of those were uh, Chris's too. And we did make it in time for a meal, but it was dinner time by the time we got to the top of Mount Marcy. And we didn't really have a lot of time to rest because it was already dusk, and we needed to get down on the other side to the, the campsite, luckily, which wasn't all the way down. A beautiful spot called Lake Tear in the Clouds, very appropriate, I thought. <laughs> but we couldn't, we, could, you can't, we couldn't stop there. We had to go on because the path continued. And I just was thinking how, how true this is of many of the tremendous moments of life, the wonderful times, the tragic uh, deep grief times, the times of massive change. We would love to just stop and, and, and rest for a little while or just absorb the fact that some huge change has happened in our lives. But usually, we can't do that. We simply have to go on because the path goes on ahead of us, even in the midst of that change. You know, a lot of times, we'll be something will happen and we'll think, wow, I'm never going to look at the world the same way again. And that doesn't mean anything except that you keep going now and, and look at, looking at the world in that new way. The first time you fall in love, when your child is born, when somebody near to you dies, when you have a major life change or have a spiritual encounter, a lot of times we just want to stop and go, wow, everything is different. Everything is new. And we find that you, you can only stop so long before you have to continue. The last Sunday before Lent begins is, in the church calendar, is always Transfiguration Sunday. Now, we didn't observe that this year because I was finishing up the Wesley series. But many of you know the story of the Transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter and James and John, and he takes them to the top of a mountain, and he's transfigured before them into a being of light. You know, they are seeing Jesus in all his glory. And Moses and Elijah join, them there, join him there on the mountain, and they hear the voice of God approving Christ. And it's this incredible moment. But you know, the end of that story is, and then they come back down the mountain. And in fact, on that other side of the mountain now is the journey to Jerusalem and eventually to the crucifixion. It's this incredible moment, but the rest, the whole story is that then they go on ready for the next part of the journey and going on this new path. The more and more I look at the creating hand of God, the one who makes us all new, makes us new again, I realize that God makes us new again specifically because God has a job for us to do and a path to continue on. Look first, I want us to look first at the story of the Israelites we read a little tiny bit from Joshua this morning. You know, we know the story of the Exodus, the children of Israel being, you know, released by all the plagues and stuff and getting out of Egypt and slavery, and then they travel through the wilderness. And you would think that the end of the story would be when they arrived at the Promised Land, right? Doesn't that seem like the that's the Hollywood ending, okay? We're at the Promised Land, ta-da! We made it, we finished the journey, and it almost seems like when you read the beginning of Joshua that that's exactly kind of what's happening. You, if you read the whole chapter, Libby read just a little sliver from Joshua 5. If you read that whole chapter, there's tons of stuff happening. They cross over the Jordan River on dry land. You know, the ark goes before them and they cross over. And then they make this monument of stones to remember that they crossed the Jordan. And then they all get circumcised. Well, the males get circumcised. They all get circumcised to kind of renew the covenant. 
and then they have a Passover, and then they stop getting the manna, and they start eating the produce of the land. And then, and there's a little piece even after that, where Joshua meets the commander of the army of God, and he has like an experience like Moses, where he's on holy ground and takes off his shoes. And you th I mean, all that's missing is big flashing neon lights saying, this is the finale, all this big stuff is happening. But the truth is, it wasn't the end of the story. There's all this stuff that happens in significant, incredible experiences and rituals. And it's just the beginning of the next path that they have to go on. And the next part of their journey is to go into the promised land and to learn to live in that land, to settle their homes, and to become a holy people in a holy land, totally following God. That's the next part of their journey. They're just beginning that part of their journey. They're made new for a reason. And let's look at the Corinthians now, too. Like many Christians, they have this experience where they, they've found Christ. And their whole lives are new, and it's an incredible feeling. But the question always is, in that, in that time of your life, okay, I've got this new life in Christ, now what do I do with it? And it's a struggle, because, you know, as human beings, what happens is, we have these new experiences, and our tendency is to kind of go back to our old habits and our old ways, because we're just used to that stuff. And Paul is struggling with this with the Corinthians all the time. He'll say, he th said things like, this is what you did in your old life. This is what you're supposed to do in your new life. He keeps trying to point it out to them. In your old life, you know, you worship those other gods, but you don't worship them anymore. Now you worship this God. In your old life, you behaved in this way. In your new life, you behave in a different way. In your old life, you cared about your appearance and what people thought of you and what the whole world thought was important. But in the new life, what's important is the glorious life awaiting us and the life that we have in Christ. And Paul, you see, he continuously does this to show them they're on an entirely new track in life. And they, need to, they can't just let themselves slide back into their old routines, which is so tempting, so tempting to do. But Jesus, Paul says, God reconciled, was reconciled to the world through Jesus. And I realized that what that meant was that God had carved this new path for us with Jesus. A new way of doing things in this new life. The whole new path on the other side of the mountain came from Jesus. And our task isn't to go into the kingdom and conquer others, like the children of Israel were doing under Joshua's leadership, but to go out into the world and incorporate others. Incorporate. Think about that word for a minute to bring into the body. Not to conquer, but to incorporate. To become ambassadors for Christ. To live, bring other people along on the whole path. It's just an incredible feeling there. This, this sense that we have a new path, and other people are supposed to be coming along on the path with us. Yesterday, the labyrinth was set up here at the church, and, and it always makes me think of paths. And, and on a labyrinth, you go on a path into the center, but you can't stay there. You come back on the path, and you go out into the world from the labyrinth. And here's the other neat thing about labyrinths, and I was just talking to, uh, to Janine about this yesterday. You never know when you talk to me when you're going to end up in a sermon. 
was talking to Janine Telshack about this yesterday and saying, you know, one of the, the suggestions for Labyrinth is you use it repeatedly. And I said, I'm not sure why, but it, it's probably because it helps to create pathways in your brain. And Janine was like, exactly. I'm always telling my clients that. She's an occupational therapist. That you, oh, you need to create new pathways in your brain. Do things in a different way than you have done them all the time. And you know how hard that is to do. Have you ever tried, if you, if, if you write all the time with your right hand, have you tried writing with your left hand? Have you ever tried to vary how you put on your shoes and socks? Just something little like that. It's really hard. You know, you have physical things and, and habits that you do all the time. Here's the challenge for you. Next Sunday, try sitting in a different place in the church. It's hard to do, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know it is. We have a tendency, even when we have been changed or have a new, you know, attitude about things, to just slide back into our old habits. But this is, I love that whole idea of the pathways. God created a new pathway for us, a new pathway for us to follow. So that when the old pathways don't work anymore and we couldn't get to God, we have a new pathway. We are reconciled to God through Christ. And our task is to show other people that path as well. How exciting is that? Now, we need physical reminders to help us change our habits. That's what Lent is all about, change your habits, so that we remember we're new and walking in a new path. This past week, we had two glorious days of warmth, didn't we? Didn't you like that? These two days that felt like spring. And I know during those two days, I, I thought, I understand how the trees feel. I just felt, you know, all new, like there was sap coming up from my toes all the way to the top of my head, and just, you know, new life. I felt so renewed when that warmth came and, and changed the whole world there for a little while. And I thought, how wonderful it is it would be to be a tree and feel that sap flowing through you. And it flows through you, but then keeps on flowing. Why? To create growth, to create those leaves, to give life to those leaves. Remember the image of the tree in the book of Revelation with the leaves that are for the healing of the nations and that ministry that we have to all the world, ambassadors to all the world through organizations like UMCOR and other ways and just in our lives and the new paths we walk and invite other people. The sap runs through us because of Christ and it goes out into all the world so that all the world might be reconciled and saved through Christ. Amen.